What's going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. Uh, we are. This is the Fantasy Alarm Two Minute Drill. I'm Dan Malin, joined by James Grande. We are recapping Week 13 of the NFL season from a fantasy perspective. Grande, how was Week 13 for you? Well, Dan, um, it's just been a tough go the last couple weeks. Uh, seasonal, <laughs> my seasonal contests have been good. I, I feel very confident in my drafts still to this day and the exposure that I got. But DFS, you know, it's it's funny because I was looking back at a couple of my last lines and I'm playing all these implied totals that are 49, 50. Uh, this week I stacked Washington Las Vegas. Um, I used Derek Carr as my quarterback. I used Foster Moreau. I used Hunter Renfro. And I brought it back with Antonio Gibson. Now, two of the four were good. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the... Uh, four were good, uh, except the problem was my quarterback wasn't, and neither was his tight end. So, uh, you know, you live and you learn, you move on, but uh, Vegas has been way off this year. I think that's my my takeaway uh, here in Week 13. Um, I feel like the over-unders have been uh, generally on the under side here. So, um, you know, could have been better, good seasonally, poor uh, in DFS, but uh, I also played light wasn't in love with the slate to begin with dfs and it's kind of like the first topic that i want to touch on this week because dfs this week was incredibly frustrating for a lot of people myself included so we talked in the opener of last week's podcast about how low the cash lines were basically 106 points was going to cash easily in week 12 that's how bad week 12 was but then pretty much all the chalk with the exception of like foster moreau Every good play on Sunday seemed to be hitting, and that really elevated cash lines to the point where I had a cash lineup. My cash lineup, basically my main lineup, my only lineup for the main slate, uh, put up 171 points, and that did not cash in a lot of my double-ups. And I was feeling great after the 1 o'clock games. I paired Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert in my cash lineup. I also had Justin Jefferson – uh, I had Antonio Gibson going in the later games. I played Miami, and they got nine points, which I'll take. Um, right. Even even I had Foster Moreau in there because he was 2,700 on DraftKings, and he only got 4.4 points. But he wasn't really the problem right. because he was also like 80% owned in a lot of the cat- right. in the contests. And so, oh, that's a Patriots touchdown right there. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you guys didn't if you guys didn't know, we are recording here live during the Patriots game, and Dan may or not may or may not root for the Patriots. Uh, every so often, Damian Harris to the house there, Dan. To 64 the yards. Uh, but back to my main point. Is like, so cash lines this week were elevated, and that's a very frustrating aspect because a 170-point lineup is going to cash 85 to 90 percent of the weeks. But at the same time, are we at a point in the season where maybe NFL DFS becomes more gpp oriented because when we and this is true for almost um like every every sport every Every sport sport. the value is so diminished at the beginning there you'll you'll find ridiculous value across any slate at the beginning of the year but then everything starts to correct itself and you know there's value becomes harder to find as you get later into the season and especially in large field uh even my single entry like 25 dollar contest and my 50 dollar contest I'm seeing a lot more lineup trains come into play and it's incredibly frustrating. And I'm almost at the point where cash lineups have been my bread and butter. And 
Earlier in the year, I was dominating them. I was cashing easily. Last week, I barely cashed with a 109-point lineup. This week, I have 171, and I I was up significantly. I was having a great day. It was also my birthday yesterday. I was feeling great about it. Happy birthday, and, Dan. Thank you. And then as the 4 o'clock games are like going on and they're getting in later, I'm like, I'm starting to like bleed money. And I didn't have a huge hit to my bankroll, but I ended up like down about 150. And so I think I'm at the point where the lineup trains are just really turning me off to cash games because the ca- the pay line in cash games was actually higher than it was for GPPs. I had no problem cashing uh, my cash lineup in GPPs yesterday, but actually getting my cash lineup to cash in cash games, it was an absolute pain in the ass. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point um, because I saw that today in the Fantasy Alarm Discord as well. Um, and it was in the NBA section where I, you know I've spent most of my time the last couple months. But somebody mentioned last night in NBA, um, on a smaller slate, sure, the cash line was higher in cash games than it was in tournaments. And I think that is becoming more and more the normal because you mentioned trains and it's all these DFS providers, um, yeah. all these websites that are, are providing lineups instead of core plays or or just a group of guys that, you know, maybe you should build around. Um, now, I do want to bring up something you said, and I do think we are trending towards D- uh, tournaments more. And I think if you are a cash player, you know, don't go out of your comfort zone. First off, don't just throw money away because um, things are getting just adapt. Uh, and I know that's easier said than done, but I don't think you should just fully switch to GPPs. But I will say, I do agree, every sport generally end of the year. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of teams trying new things. It's like the Lions, right? They're one and whatever. Congrats to the Lions, by the way. Uh, big win, uh, even though it was more of the Vikings loss than it was the Lions win. But, you know, another topic for a different day. But I think they the Lions don't have anything to lose. I'm on St. Brown's going to play 100% of the snaps. Josh Reynolds, mm-hmm. someone that they're looking at potentially for next year, going to play 100% of the snaps. You're going to find value on really bad teams more often. So, like, your point to say, I think it's harder to find value. I almost think it's easier, but it's finding the right value. There, so, there becomes a, a cesspool of just so much value because there's so many bad teams that are now, like, using these guys that were are 3k at the wide receiver position and 4k at the running back position because you know they don't want to uh get their potential future star hurt like are we going to see deandre swift again this year i don't know would there be a reason i don't know you know so i think that there's some truth to what you said but i also think that because these teams are falling out of the race more and more i know there's like 13 teams still in it in the nfc um that could make the playoffs but still Next week, let's say a team falls to four and nine or a team falls to five and eight, they're less likely that they're going to see this season through with with their stars playing 100% of the snaps all the way through week 17. So I think as we move forward, um, it's going to be a lot harder to sift through value because there's going to be so much of it on the board. I think... What I'm probably going to start doing is obviously scaling back my cash game entries a significant amount. Um, I know a couple weeks ago I swore off the $100 single entry contests, (laughs) but I had one of those weeks where just I was feeling phenomenal about my cash game lineup. And typically when that happens is when I get when weeks like, you know, week 13 happen. And it wasn't a disaster. I didn't lose everything, but I still finished 
down a little bit. And so, but I do like the idea of like getting my mindset, you know, uh, like recalibrated for GPP tournaments because once right. the NFL playoffs start and we're down to like four game slates and two game slates for conference championship weekend, GPPs are all that like we really should yep. be playing. Anyone that's right. playing cash on that slate is a braver man or woman than I. <laughs> Um, but let's let's talk a little more fantasy season long oriented uh, content. Um, I want to know your thoughts on some potential league winners on the waiver wire. Now, I threw out three in the notes that I sent you. You have a couple more that you're going to add as well. But I want to start off with Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, when I sent the notes to you, uh, the football team believed that Logan Thomas had tore his ACL and MCL. We have since gotten news back that the team doesn't think that is the case. I believe he's going to get a second MRI on Tuesday. Um, however, I don't anticipate that he's going to be playing this week and possibly for a couple extra weeks, especially given his injury history. Now, we know that the football team loves to have a tight end on the field for arguably 100% of their snaps. Yep. And Ricky Seals-Jones did provide some usage earlier in the season when Logan Thomas was out. Do you think Ricky Seals-Jones could potentially be a league winner that's available on the waiver wire? Um, they, get the, they get Dallas and Philly twice over the next four weeks. Right, and that, I think that's probably the kicker, right? Philly is the premier uh, spot for tight ends. Yeah, yeah, it's the number one spot for tight ends, um, minus being Evan Ingram because he's trash. Um, but um, as, don't spit out your water. Don't spit out your water. We need you here. <laughs> we don't want any ruined mics. Um, yeah, I mean, I also think there's an interesting, like, um, like they've been using the Bates dude, a little bit here and there. So I'm interested to see if that continues. Like he's been effective in like small spurts, but I do think Seals Jones, like, do you, I guess like, could we see Ricky Seals Jones finish as a top like 15 tight end this year? And if that's the case, cause he's tight end 29. So he would have some really good weeks. League winner. I don't know, but someone who can really provide depth at a really weak position yes yeah i think the argument against um calling any tight end on the waiver wire like a league winning tight end is that this is such a tight end uh, not a tight end of course it's a tight end dependent position it's a touchdown <laughs> dependent position right um, unless you have a guy like uh travis kelsey darren waller when he was good the last couple of years um dallas goddard has started to come on strong and maybe that was the benefit of gardner Minshew under center yep. um rob gronkowski's been great when he's been healthy this year you know, to find a guy that's going to give you that kind of production on the waiver wire, it's a long shot. Last year, it was Logan Thomas. Um, but I think just the nature of the position in general does make it a little difficult to label somebody a league winner. Um, the next guy, I have a lot more confidence in potentially being a league winner, and he's available in about half of ESPN leagues. Devontae Parker returned from injury this past week. He only had five targets, but he caught every single one. Uh, Tua Vailoa has obviously developed more chemistry with Jalen Waddell and Mike Gesicki during Parker's absence. However, we know the upside that Parker has in this offense. Um, we know he can be a top 15 wide receiver, although it took a while for him to get there. Right. Is Devontae Parker potentially a wide receiver floating around on waivers that could be a league winner? Yeah, so this is definitely an interesting one because this was actually the first game all year, Dan, that he's had less than seven targets. Um you know, and obviously returning from injury, played could have been easing him back. Right, played seventy-one percent of the snaps. So easing him back, like, is that easing him back? Because he's played the the two weeks prior that he was healthy for, he played ninety and ninety-one respectively. So if it is easing him back, like, 
what is he in line for next? Now, I think that there's a lack of touchdown upside a little bit. Like, I know he had a lot of touchdowns last two or two years ago. He had a lot of touchdowns. He had like 10 touchdowns two years ago, and then he had a couple last year. Um, I think the the touchdowns could could be like a deterrent in 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 like standard leagues. Like if you're still playing, if you're still a dinosaur because he's not scoring. <laughs> um, well, you know they look. They, he really looks at Jalen Waddle in, in the red zone. Miles Gaskin scores a lot, and then Tua has the the option of pulling it down himself, which he's done a bunch too. So I think in standard leagues, there's a little like lack of league winning upside because he doesn't score but in ppr formats i mean my man has four plus receptions in every game he has 40 plus yards in every game this year uh with four games over 60 so you know four of the six games he's played in, he's given us double figures so i do think there's a, a definite case that Devontae parker going forward could be in your lineup every week can you imagine how good this team would be if they had so good uh you know, Devontae Parker's back. Jalen Waddle has emerged as arguably the best rookie wide receiver this year. I think I'd still give it to Jamar Chase. Mike yep. Isicki's come on strong. Miles Gaskins looked better of late. But can you imagine like what they could do if they had Will Fuller available? Um I can we just stop the two? I hate two. Like what the hell's wrong with people? He's, I, he's I, good. I, I, I I was not the biggest Tua fan last year and even earlier this year. But I mean, I've come around and like I've he's good. He's everyone good. every week is always seems to be looking for a quarterback streamer in the NFL seasonal Discord. And whenever they list Tua, I'm just like, yeah, you can play him. He's actually been good and he's exceeded my expectations. So I'm willing to admit that I was I was probably wrong about the guy. Yeah, and I think I think what helps is what you mentioned. They have unfortunately they've been unhealthy like their team has not been able to stay healthy but like all these weapons are coming back and then coincidentally Tua's like so, like balling uh, it's not a coincidence he's good his weapons are good uh you know this could we could be in for a fun little stretch uh run for the Dolphins uh led by Tua Tungo Bailoa the last potential league winner on my part will be Rashad Penny is there possibly an opportunity for Penny to finally emerge as the RB1 in the Seattle backfield? He has struggled to stay healthy throughout his young career, uh, but he looked he looked decent in the run game, and he was involved in the passing attack late in Sunday's win over San Francisco. Obviously, we have not seen Alex Collins or DJ Dallas really, I guess, take the torch and run with it uh, since they announced that Chris Carson was done for the year. Um, I, I have zero interest in Adrian Peterson. I believe he found the end zone yesterday, but I, I'm – I mean, we all kind of fell for the Peterson trick earlier in the year when he right. went to Tennessee for yep. a cup of coffee and found the end zone once, I think. Um, but again, it's kind of the same thing. Like, Peterson finds the end zone, but obviously I'm more intrigued by the younger player. I think the problem is, like, Seattle winning that game was worst-case scenario for Rashad Penny because they, if they lose that game, they're basically buried, Right. The fact that there's an extra game this year, the fact that this race is so competitive, keeps Seattle thinking that they can make a run, which I think in turn keeps Adrian Peterson on the field, <laughs> which is obviously horrible for all parties because nobody cares about Adrian Peterson on the field. And all Adrian Peterson is going to do is he's going to vulture touchdowns. Right. Um, I agree that Rashad Penny is obviously more skilled. There's a reason why he went in the first round, right? First round was it? First round, he was, he was a first, a first round, round pick. pick yep. Like 
there's a reason why this guy was picked in the first round. There's a reason he he just hasn't been able to stay healthy now. The, so I we need Seattle to lose, Dan. If Seattle loses, this is a guy you want to stash. And I agree with you, the potential's there. We need Seattle to lose one more game to be buried so that they could just start moving on and to see because Alex Collins is old, Adrian Peterson's old. Yeah, you want to see what you got. They need to see what they got. But while this is still, you know, in their grasp, you know, you know, Mr. Unlimited isn't going to give up. You know, Pete Carroll is not going to give up because this is going to be his last hurrah. He's 100 years old. So I just think we need Seattle to lose and then we have something there. All right. What potential league winners do you have? So I want to ask, it's two guys. And I was looking at their ownership, uh, their roster ship, rather, on Yahoo. Um, One is a quarterback. Taysom Hill, and I know he threw four picks, um, only 34% rostered. And I know we've, we we had an extensive conversation about quarterbacks last week and like backup quarterbacks and what we should do. And I think we're going to touch on that again this week. But Taysom Hill might not be a backup on a lot of your teams. Um, he, yes, he threw four picks. Yes, he's not going to throw 41 times probably ever again, especially with the finger. Uh, but he's going to play through it. Dude, he had 100 rushing yards and if Kamara's still banged up and if Kamara can't give you a hundred percent of uh what he is um like can Taysom Hill can he be your every week QB1 <laughs> into the postseason I mean 24 Yahoo points with four interceptions imagine he doesn't throw four interceptions he had 24 Yahoo points with four picks. No, I know. He had 24.66 if you have fractional points on ESPN as well. I think the good news for Hill is that the finger injury probably leads to more rushing, I would say. <laughs> and he's um, a beast. Yeah. I mean, he had 11 carries, 101 yards, and he didn't even score on the ground. You know, coming into this game where he wasn't the starter, he did have three rushing touchdowns. Right. Um, the only reason I, I don't think he's a league winner and it's – because in the opening round of your fantasy playoffs, if they start in week 15, they're on the road in Tampa Bay. And that's a defense that is getting better. It's a defense that I don't want to really play. If I have a wide receiver, I'll take a shot and, and play them. But I don't really want to play my quarterbacks, especially one that's not going to be able to pass or be able to. Because if, if Tampa Bay gets out to a huge lead and Tom Brady at home is phenomenal in Tampa. Um, if you've read Howard Howard's playbooks and, and John's quarterback coach, anytime Tom Brady is playing at home, he's almost exclusively featured. Yep. Um, so I don't really want to have to play Hill if the Bucks get out to a huge lead and he's dealing with this finger injury against a good defense. I don't want to be reliant on that guy to try and get the team back in the game. Um, so while I think he's perfectly serviceable in week 14 against the Jets, especially with I think uh, the Eagles, Patriots, Colts, and maybe the Dolphins are on by this week. If you're in a, a pinch and he's still out there, yeah, he's he's absolutely in play against the Jets. I don't know if he's a league winner because he actually could cost some teams uh, the first-round matchup against the Bucks. All fair points. All fair points. Um, second guy, uh, our boy, our favorite player, Boston Scott, did not see the field. Uh, but you know who did see the field, Dan? You know who saw the field a lot? In Miles Kenneth Sanders' Gainwell. absence, Kenneth freaking Gainwell. <laughs> um, 12% owned on Yahoo right now. Um, he had a lot of carries. He had – he's a very good pass catcher. Um, if there's no Sanders, who, again, is banged up, and there's no Boston Scott, we know Jordan Howard's hurt. 
Could Kenneth Gainwell in PPR, I'll say PPR specific because I don't think you're going to play Kenneth Gainwell in, in standard formats, but can Kenneth Gainwell be that guy? So I just said the Eagles are in by this week. My only concern is that I think once you get into the playoffs, there's flex intrigue. It's kind of like your opinion on Ricky Seals-Jones. Um, because my belief is that NFL head coaches and NFL teams, they don't take away a workload for a player if like it's an illness or an injury or something like that, which is what we've seen from uh, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, and even uh, Jalen Hurts, who didn't play this past week. So tell, that, week- tell that to James Conner when when uh, Chase Edmonds comes back, huh? I know, I know. Like, I, I understand the argument. I understand, like, there are obviously exceptions to the, the rule that I'm insinuating. But it's already such a crowded backfield as it is. <laughs> they buried Gainwell for most of the earlier portion yep. of the season. And when all three are healthy, I still think, like, it's it's a three-headed rushing attack with Hurts, Sanders, and, and Scott. Um, obviously, he's not going to help you win this week since they're not playing. But when they get to the playoffs you know they get Washington twice and they get the Giants I don't hate the schedule I still just believe that Nick Sirianni is gonna make sure everyone is involved um because truly when you're when you have more people involved they should (laughs) all be staying healthier than they currently are so I just don't I don't see rookie Kenneth Gainwell as a league winner okay that was all I got that was all I got all right let's touch on backup quarterbacks because I hate to backtrack on a topic that we discussed last week when how you should be consolidating your rosters and, and preparing for the fantasy uh, f- uh, football playoffs. However, I think it does need to be discussed because in shallow leagues and even some 12-team leagues, we said it's not viable to hold your quarterback. But then I started thinking about it, and I was answering a lot of questions this weekend in the NFL seasonal discord, and I'm getting a lot of questions about quarterbacks. At the beginning of the year, I said that they're must-starts. If you have them on your team, they're a must-start. Even Kyler Murray, before the game, I was a little worried about it. You know, we thought DeAndre Hopkins was going to be limited, and to an extent he was. But Kyler Murray, in a return from injury, still put up four (laughs) touchdowns. And so I'm happy that I still told people to start him. However, there are guys like Joe Burrow, who I thought for the longest time was a must-start quarterback, but I haven't really seen it over the past month. Uh, He's dealing with a pinky injury. He's going to play through it. But Joe Burrow has been good for like one or two really bad plays where he turns the ball over. He gets one of those every yep. game. Every Jalen Hurts, who we just touched on, he's still the starting quarterback for the Eagles. Uh, but if he isn't running the ball a ton, he's not helping you out because we've we've said numerous times he can't throw the ball. I think everyone with eyeballs can tell you that. <laughs> um, Patrick Mahomes has even struggled lately. In his last six games, Mahomes has seven passing touchdowns, but five of those came in one game, and over that span, he has six turnovers. So <laughs> given all the rant and everything – do we maybe walk back the comment on backup <laughs> quarterbacks? We would look like absolute idiots if we say yes. But right now, there are not many must-start quarterbacks. And, like, you know, if you have Tom Brady, even Matthew Stafford, I think, you mm-hmm. know, there are some quarterbacks where it's like if you have this guy, you don't need a backup quarterback. However, with guys like Burrow and Hurts, who is injured, but, like, there are just too many guys that I don't have the same level of confidence that I had at the beginning of the year. So is it okay? Should we be rostering backup quarterbacks? I think it depends. Um, because I, I still feel like there's enough in like a 10 team setting. I don't think you need a backup quarterback. Like I'm going to just, I'll we'll just rattle off a list real quick. Brady, you're starting every week. Yeah. Justin Herbert, you're starting every week. Yep. Josh Allen, you're starting every week. 
I know you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. You're not. You're, you're not still starting him. You're every starting week. Patrick Mahomes every week. You mentioned Matt Stafford. You're starting him every week. Dang. Lamar Jackson, despite his struggles, last three games, QB ten, QB nineteen, QB eleven. You're still starting Lamar Jackson every week. Um, you're starting Aaron Rodgers every week. Back to back QB twos. Uh, Dak Prescott had bad week last week. Week before QB four. So right there, that's uh, what is that? Seven quarterbacks. Um, Kyler Murray, you're starting every week now that he's back. So it's eight quarterbacks um, right there. So I think then it, I guess, becomes a question. It's like, okay, if I have Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins last five games, Dan, every week has been QB6, 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 QB12, QB7. Kirk Kirk Cousins is a must-start every week right now. He's been a QB1 for five straight weeks. It's um, so crazy to say, but he has multiple touchdowns in every game over this. Every game. game. But only, this, well, he's got three turnovers, but you know, two of those are fumbles, which is still— well, wasn't this, this is the same argument we've had with Kirk Cousins for seemingly three years. It's like, how does Kirk Cousins sneak into the back of the QB1 range every yeah. year? And every year it happens. Um, so those are—so that's nine quarterbacks, right? So that's—and then Jalen Hurts, who has failed to be a QB1— um, in a 12-team league, tw- two times in 11 games this year. So in a 10-team league, he's failed to be QB1, or he has been a QB1 seven out of 11 games. You're starting Jalen Hurts in a one QB league because his rushing upside. That's 10 quarterbacks. Now, is there is there someone out there with two of them? Probably. Um, no, because if you're in a 10-team league, you probably have a bunch of guys that are playing drafting two quarterbacks in like the first three rounds anyway. Um, I think... I think it's still largely you don't need a backup quarterback. Especially Did you mention Russell Wilson in your list? Didn't mention Russell Wilson. He's also been very bad. So, like, and I get what you're saying. Like, there is obviously potential for Russell Wilson to uh, currently QB 25. I guess I shouldn't say very bad. Last two weeks, QB 9, QB 14. Um, but, okay, so that My is— My concern with Seattle's offense, though, is that— they are either so efficient with the ball that they're scoring very quickly. Um, but at the same time, they also get dominated in time of possession. <laughs> and it's 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 bad. It was almost to the point where I think um, over their last three games entering this past Sunday, like the opposing team had the ball over the last three games, like on average of 65% of the game. Yeah, now crazy. they flipped the script and they, they did much better. And it was nice to see Wilson throw it for over, you know, throw it for 37 attempts. But you know, that's a guy like I'm still a little bit worried about. But then again, next week they have the Texans. So that's a guy you're starting. Right. So, OK, so if you want to include Russell Wilson in that in that group, that's 10 guys. Boom. I, like, sure, there are specific instances. If I had Russell Wilson, maybe I don't feel as comfortable. If I have Jalen Hurts, maybe because there's an injury, maybe I don't feel as comfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's very few situations where I'm just like. Uh, maybe I'll start this guy over Russell Wilson, or maybe I'll start this guy over Jalen Hurts. Everyone else, I'm just, I'm starting, right? Those other eight guys, you, you even, you, I could see your eyes. You're like, yeah, I'm starting those guys. So um, maybe 12 team formats, 14, 14, 14 teamers, sure. Uh, but 10 team leagues, no thanks. All right, believe it or not, the floor is yours. It's actually two guys you mentioned here, Dan. Okay. You, you've, you've mentioned them in passing. It's not, I don't think you would uh, be able to like, just pinpoint the uh, the two guys, but we're gonna head to the wide receiver position for this first question, and I, and I'm asking about two guys on the same team, okay? 
Um, the last two weeks, we've kind of had a changing of the guard in this receiving corps. Uh, there was a rookie receiver that dominated most of the first half of the year. And there is a second year receiver that has absolutely looked the part the last two weeks. The Chase and Higgins. I am talking about Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Currently coming into Monday Night Football, Jamar Chase is wide receiver 10. He has not posted better than wide receiver 26 for five consecutive weeks. T. Higgins is wide receiver 25. He has posted wide receiver two and wide receiver four the last two weeks. So what I'm going to ask, Dan, do you believe that T. Higgins will finish ahead of Jamar Chase on the overall uh, ranking by the by year's end? No, um, I just don't see it. I understand the targets are a little down for Chase. He only has 19 over his last three games. Um, you know, before their bye, he had 13, 9, 10, 6, 10, 9. Um, the, what I think is just happening is that teams are uh, scheming more for Chase. But next week they get San Francisco. I think their secondary is a little beat up. I'm one of those East Coast guys that isn't as uh, read up on the West Coast <laughs> team, so I do apologize. Uh, but based on like certain playbooks that I've read from Howard, it just seems like the the San Francisco secondary is a game, and it's at home. It's going to be a West Coast team that has to kind of sort of travel to travel. the East Coast. Um, I still believe it's going to be Chase. I'm happy Higgins is coming around because I remember when he came back from injury. I think he his first game back it was pretty putrid. Um, looking at the game log. Uh, uh, first game, he was wide receiver 78. Oh, was that uh, week five against Green Bay? Oh, uh, week had... five, he was, sorry, 53. Yeah, was... so five catches on seven targets, but he only went for 32 yards. Um, but of late, he's got 25 targets since since their bye week, back-to-back 100-yard games and a pair of touchdowns, or a touchdown in each of the last two games. Um, obviously, you like what you've seen. If you're, you have T. Higgins, you can confidently play him as a flex, um, but for me, I'm still going to ride. Um, I'm still riding the wave of Jamar Chase. I have been talking him up ever since he got drafted. I was happy the Bengals went with uh, Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. To, I understand that offensive line was much more of a need for, for that the has Bengals. Not been but great lately. Yeah. No, but like when you have a talent like Jamar Chase, you have to take him, especially when you can match him up with his quarterback from college. Uh, for me, it's still going to be Jamar Chase. I, I think he's just – too damn talented. That's not to say that Higgins isn't, but um, I don't think that there's Higgins would really have to blow me out of the water each of the next four or five games to finish better than uh, Chase. It's getting close. It's getting close. And the final question is arguably the greatest tight end of all time, Dan. A name you mentioned, a Trump. name that once played for your New England Patriots, <clears throat> and it is Rob Gronkowski. In in six, uh, how many games? He's played seven games this year. Okay, I'm pretty sure he's like still leading. Like he's, he is. He is the RB14. Cur- RB14. <laughs> this is not Cordell Patterson we're talking about. He does not rank in multiple positions. He is the tight end 14 playing seven games. He has been tight end one, tight end three. Arguably six games too. Six games, correct. Uh, the one where he's tight end 54, he leaves. Um, so he is. So we'll count the six games. We'll exclude that. He was tight end one, tight end three, tight end seventeen, tight end nine, tight end two, tight end three. Okay. So he has four top three finishes on the year in six games. My question to you is: Actually, I did the math wrong. Oh no, no. Okay. 
My question to you, listen, I told you, scrambled egg brain coming into this. Uh, here we are. Uh, it's been a day for sure. My question to you, Dan, we have five games remaining for Tampa Bay. Does Rob Gronkowski have a chance at being a top five tight end by year's end? Do you believe Rob Gronkowski will be a top five tight end uh, by year's end? Yes, because of the fact that in I'm, – I'm not including the game that he played against the Saints because he left very early in that one. But in five of his six games so far this year, uh, he has at least eight targets in all of them. He has <laughs> six touchdowns in those six games. When they get in the red zone, you know there's a good chance that uh, Brady is looking his way. Um, he had two touchdowns this past week, and there was also a third that Cameron Brake caught that they took Gronk off the field for. Um some skeptical matchups coming up uh, next week. They they host the Bills. I don't love that, but at the same time, like this offense is clicking, uh, especially at home, and they get the Bills and Saints the next two weeks, and then they get the Panthers and the Jets on the road, um, and then they close out with Carolina at home again. So three of their five uh, remaining games are at home. Brady loves looking his way, especially without Antonio Brown uh, for the next few games. My thing has always been like Brady has, you know, campaigned for those two guys, even with uh, Antonio Brown's issues. Uh, the team is still right. stuck by him like they haven't released him or anything. Um, when those two are on the field, it does seem like Brady just prefers to target them. It's not to say that Mike Evans and Chris Godden are completely useless, but Brady has a soft spot for these two guys in particular, Gronk, especially when they get in the end zone. So with six touchdowns in six games that he's been absolutely healthy for, I'd say if he's going to average a tight end per game, there's a very good chance he finishes as a top five at the position. He's. Uh, I was looking. So I, I was looking. The tight end 14 was in PPR. If you had to guess where where Gronk was in in standard formats right now, where would you say he was? Uh, seventh. He's ninth. He's he's in front of. Ready for this? <clears throat> he is in front of Ertz, Pitts, Waller, Gasicki, in standard. Yeah, but like the, the thing is, like it's a touchdown dependent position. Right. And standard is a touchdown dependent. Form. And Gronk is. He's Nothing played six but touchdowns. And he's, six he's, touchdowns. he's played six games and he's top ten at the position. Yeah, um, that's how wonky of a format that is. Right. Well, that's you know, I, I think we've all shared our feelings about standard leagues. Probably, probably should get rid of them. All right, Grande. Thank you so much for your time. That is week thirteen in a nutshell. Grande, best of luck to you in week fourteen and go Pats.